Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. So when you started to go out looking for businesses, how did you do it? What did you do? <laughs> the day Every, the day after that look in the yeah. mirror or the leader yeah. that day. It's like well, you know, we always have those highlight moments. Like I looked yeah. in the mirror, said you're a sellout. Dun, da, da, da. <laughs> millionaire now presenting. And it's like, no, what <laughs> then half an hour later, what happened? Two hours yes. later, so, 36 so, hours later. So obviously I went to work, you know, yeah. how to do that. Came not obviously, night, not, not a, obviously. I oh, had a child the other day decide that's they were done with true. school, clean out their locker, come home, say, mom, done with school. I cleaned out my locker. I'm like, fantastic. Did you have another plan for your day? Uh, so <laughs> not necessarily. Sometimes it'll be like, I'm done. I'm not going back. Yeah, that's that's not really me. The whole Jerry Maguire walking out with the fish is, <laughs> uh, is that's that's not me. I'm a, I am actually a planner, uh, even though it may not sound like it. Uh, pretty intentional. But uh, yeah, what happened is I went to work that day. I came home that night. And uh, my wife, we had been married for a while. She knew who she married. She knew that was important to me. I think she thought I'd probably never do it because I was successful in my career. And ironically, her dad was a 40-year career uh, telephone guy. So funny, funny enough, I think she just thought she married her dad and he'd work and retire at a fairly young age and have a nice middle-class life. Um, but no, that night I had a conversation with her over dinner and I said, you know, I've had kind of an epiphany. And she was like, uh-oh, because she knows that could go anywhere. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to live the rest of my life like this. Like, I'm not like, I'm not going to do this. I, I just won't. And so I told her, I said, you know, that I've always been very passionate about owning my own business. And this is what I want to do. And she was like, okay, you know, lo- the great thing about my wife is she's a trust me, she was terrified, <laughs> but she's an incredibly supportive person. And she also passionately believes that we should all chase a fulfilling life. Um, and so she was very, very supportive. And so she and I immediately agreed, okay, so we need a plan because we didn't have any money. I mean, we we're stereotypical middle-class family and we had a little bit in emergency fund, but that was about it. And uh, so wait, middle-class means month to month paychecks. Yeah, we had a, we had a comfortable emergency fund, which probably a lot of middle-class people don't have, I guess is what they say, but right. short of that, I mean, we had a little bit in retirement, better, you know, modest lifestyle, but now we didn't really have any cash to invest in a business. And so that conversation basically went like this. She was like, okay, well, I'll support that. What are we going to do? And she knew that would get my gears gears turning. And I just said, well, the the only thing I know right now is we don't have any money. So it don't matter if we find a business or want to build a business or buy a business or whatever. We don't have any money. So the first thing we have to start doing is raise our income. So we had that conversation. You know, she went back and got her master's degree. This was before I was a telephone lineman. So I ended up going to school, getting a promotion, things like that. And um, we raised our income and then simultaneously lowered our lifestyle. And every month, it wasn't drastic, but every month we saved six, 700 bucks, probably something like that. Um, and we did that for five years. And so during that five years, I obsessively and passionately everywhere on planet earth that there would ever be a business idea or a business for sale. Um, I, would ex- I would, the next five years, I just was obsessed with finding a business or a business idea. I didn't care what it was. Um, but it had to be in our financial wheelhouse, if you will. Mm -hmm. Well, after a year of doing that, you know, we had 
$7,000, maybe seven or $8,000 right. to put into a business. Well, that's not going to move the needle much. Year two, we had 14, year, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it took a while to get to the point where we had enough seed money to at least have a down payment and be able to borrow some money and leverage and find a, uh, a, a the right opportunity. Because I knew whatever business we got into, I wasn't going to be able to just quit my job that day. I knew I'd need to do both. And so that limited me to the types of businesses that I could get into. This is back in like 2009. So, you know, yeah, all the e-commerce, world. yeah, all the e-commerce and stuff. I mean, it was kind of around, but not really type back then. Definitely not what it is today. Uh, opportunities weren't the same. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, the, you know, what the story people need to hear is that we worked our butts off and lived, you know, what I call delay gratification. And we lived well below our means for a solid five years just to get our business. And the business we bought was losing money. We paid $85,000 for it. So we put money down on the business. We you borrowed a bunch of money. $85,000 yep. for it. Yep. For a laundromat losing money. We did. But how did you get the $85,000? Even after five years, saving five, $700 a month, that doesn't get mm-hmm. there. No, we borrowed it. Got it. Yeah, we put, we had, a, if I remember, right, we had about 35,000 total. Uh, we put about 20, low 20s down on the business. And then the rest we borrowed from the SBA. And they wanted us to keep, you know, a little bit of capital on hand for running the business and functioning the business and things like that. Um, and yeah, we worked our, I mean, that's, I, I worked once again, 90 to $100 a week for five years. Um, every penny the business made once we got it profitable. Uh, just went back into the business to try to make the business better tomorrow than it what was it, yesterday. What did that mean? Meaning improve? Oh, because you improve the space. Yes, everything about it. the space, um, every, paying your yep. staff probably better than other places. Well, when um, we bought it, it was an, un- there's different models in the laundromat it industry. It was an unattended. That's right. When we bought it, it was unattended and we eventually got it to the point where it was fully staffed, but that was an investment. You know, you can't, you can't grow a business. You kind of have to, you kind of have to uh, like chicken or egg kind of situation. Right. Like we, we put staff in place before we grew the business so that we could grow the business. Well, we had to have the cash to do that up front. So right. we were, we paid an attendant to be in the store and serve and take care of people and solve problems for, you know, anywhere from six to 12 months, probably before business grew enough to justify that. And so we had to have cash to do that and things like that. A lot of the improvements to the business, you know, I can't build a toilet. I'd have to go buy a toilet, but I can install the toilet. So I would be there till midnight. You know, I'd take the money the business made or some of our savings and buy a toilet and put it in or paint the walls or hang tile or, uh, I mean, you name it, hang TVs. I mean, any product I couldn't build, I had to buy. And so we used our cash flow for that. And any labor really is what I'm talking about. I had to do myself. And I wasn't super handy. So I had to teach myself how to do that. And a lot of times it was calling friends from, you know, uh, calling in favors from friends and relatives that didn't know how to install a toilet or hang a TV or those types of things. And they would come and help me and teach me. Um, but it was, uh, it was a rough road. It was, it was a, I mean, I love your what, story that, so much. that window we just talked about. How many years until it long. turned a profit? How many years until it was five years from, from when you bought it until you could rely on it? Uh, well, it depends on how you define rely on it. It was profitable. Um, it was paying its own bills, including the debt service, um, and was, was probably throwing off about $1,500 a month in cash after debt servicing, um, within seven or eight months. Okay. So we couldn't live on that, but I mean, it was, it was was turning a profit. Yes, it was profitable. And honestly, that was when I really caught what I call the book. 
Um, right. I mean, when I realized I was onto something and I, what I always believed would happen as a result of this, and I saw it happen. Oh man. Then I was <laughs> cage lion. I mean, I was, I worked even harder. Like the more results I saw, the more I, the, the harder I worked, the more I sacrificed. It was, uh, but yeah, to answer your question, it took about five years to find the business and put ourselves in a capital position to obtain it. And then it took about four to five more years. Uh, we got that first store profitable after about 12 months, we actually bought a second one that was also a dump and did the same thing again. And then when we got our third one under contract around year four or five, um, that was when I actually quit my job and said, all right, I gotta, like, I can't work 200 hours a week. Like I gotta choose. And, uh, and I jumped off the deep end and it was terrifying. (laughs) So so from that morning, from the morning when you looked in the mirror and said you're a sellout until you quit your job, it was 10 years? Almost. Yep. Probably nine to 10 years. Wow. Yep. And that, and the thing, the thing I want people to hear is that that wasn't like paralysis analysis or I was afraid. No, that was, that was walking was, the path. That I was, was actually I was working. walking the path I was for 10 working. years. You yep. look in the mirror and, right. and you weren't a millionaire the day you quit your job either. <laughs> like that. <laughs> No, that wasn't I wasn't like, oh, well, I'm a millionaire now, so no. I can quit my job. It was like, no, now there's enough in the business that I can rely on it to, yeah. uh, to pay our bills and I can dedicate myself fully to growing it to its next level. When I quit my full-time job, um, we took money from the business and replaced my salary. And we didn't take another penny out of the business for probably another five years. So you're talking about a 15-year window of working, and my wife too, this is not all me. Working, grinding, sacrificing, living below our means, education, investing in books and podcasts, learning, you know, obsessively networking, all the things that come with being successful. And really, I mean, you could, I guess you could say that we took the satisfaction financially of, you know, quitting my job, but our lifestyle never changed in that 15 year window. And because we did all of that, the way we did it, and it was all focused around serving others and making our businesses better tomorrow than they were yesterday. And we delayed that gratification for that long of a time frame. Now we're talking about eight to nine years after we had bought our first store. I had been working full-time in my business for, like I said, probably eight or nine years at that point. And at that point we were, we had four laundromats and we were, you know, doing really well. And uh, we were updating our financial, uh, personal financial statement one day for a refinance of a loan. And uh, I looked at my wife across the desk and I said, you realize we're millionaires? <laughs> and she was like, huh? And because, I mean, for us, really nothing had changed. Like our lifestyle had not changed. Right. We had quit my job. That was about it. And uh, she still had her full-time job. I mean, she was a school teacher. We had a baby and families and, you know, I mean, we had, right. we had all kinds of going on. We hadn't taken fancier vacations, bought new homes, cars, nothing. And she just looked back at me and goes, I don't feel like a millionaire. <laughs> And I said, I said, well, what does a millionaire feel? This is a real deep conversation, by the way. The coolest I said, well, moment. I, I said, love it so much. I said, what is a, and I, I talk about this more in depth in my book, but I said, what is, what does being a millionaire feel like? And she was like, I don't know, but doesn't feel like this. <laughs> and then we both kind of looked at each other and went, and you'd have to kind of know our relationship, but we kind of looked at each other and went, hmm, that's cool. And then we went out and had dinner that night. Like, <laughs> Like we just, we didn't even know we were millionaires. We just kind of looked up, did the math and we we're like, we're millionaires. And then it didn't change a thing. And we Love didn't change it. our lifestyle for probably another two or three years after that. And then we, you know, kind of started to spoil, spoil ourselves a couple of years ago. 
I love it. I love it. We could talk for so forever. <laughs> Tell people where they can find more about you, more about your book. I find your story so powerful. Thank you. Because I find it so accessible, right? It's a path that that can really inspire anyone to walk their version of yeah. it. Thank you. You have no idea what that means to me. They can reach me on my website, laundromatmillionaire.com. And it's what it sounds, laundromat, not laundromat. So it's millionaire, <laughs> uh, millionaire.com. Or if you just Google my name, Dave Menz, you'll find all kinds of stuff on me. Um, and I appreciate you bringing that up because the book is a teaching memoir. Okay. What I mean by that, I hope it's okay that I say this. Yeah. The, the point is that it's not about laundromats and it's not about making a bunch of money. Although that's the title, right? You would think. Mm -hmm. What it's about is that the tagline for the book under the title, Laundromat Millionaire, is the grit to elevate an industry. That's a tagline. And the, I wrote the book, I rewrote the book seven times, by the way. Um, <laughs> same story, same life, same guy, seven different times. And every time the newest iteration of itself was written in a very authentic way that was designed to give others value that has nothing to do with money and nothing to do with laundromats. Now, obviously laundromats are the product. So you're going to read about me buying laundromats and et cetera, et cetera. But it's really about the life lessons of how I achieved what I did and how I'm still achieving what I am to this day. Because I believe that this teaching memoir, if you get over the title, I believe the book is written in a way where it can bring almost everyone on planet earth value. Whether you're an employee that never wants to own a business there's insane amount of value and wisdom in here. And quite frankly, not a, you know, a lot of it didn't come from me. A lot of it came from mentors and networking and attending conferences and reading books. And I talk about not, I don't, I don't just talk about like me and look at me and what I did. I talk about how did I accomplish what I did from where I came from and what are the 10, 20, 30 lessons that we can pull out of that that can make anyone a better version of themselves. And it's, I believe all of those lessons in my book are transferable in any career. Uh, they could, they're transferable to being a good father or mother. I believe they're transferable to quite frankly, being a good son to my mom, you know? Um, and so that's the context of how the book was written. And it's important to me that people hear that. I love it. And lastly, but not least, I did not warn you, but I like to ask my guests at the end for a quote. It does not have to be your favorite one of all time, but it can be. But I love how quotes wrap things up to send everyone on their way. Yeah. Um, the quote I am repeating over and over again right now that is very simple, but I think is, uh, I think is very valuable. Uh, if I have a message, it's if I can, you can. I love that. And I just... I'm not special. I'm not smart. I'm not six. I mean, I'm not good looking, you know, how I accomplish the things I did. I really, truly believe anyone can do within their own version of their life and who they are as a human being. It's all about the lessons. Yeah, no, that, I think that's so appropriate. I think everything you've shared with us today is fully represented in that as part of why I love the quotes at the end. I want to thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for joining us. This is amazing. And uh, guys, for all of you listening, I mean, I find Dave's story incredibly inspiring. Even though he and I spoke before we hit the record button, I was missing parts of this story. So uh, yeah, share the love, share the inspiration, share the direction and subscribe, obviously, because more great things coming next week. Dave, thank you so much. You got it. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, 
reach out at sdran.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?